Welcome to Shoot Me Straight with Dave Fields, Eddie Gallagher. We got our friend Brandon Stevens here. Um, he's a good friend of ours. He's come down staying this week with us and doing a lot of fishing out on the boat, out on the beach. Um, but he, I know a lot of his story. Um, haven't heard it in complete detail yet, but he's got just a really incredible story of overcoming and going through adversity and coming out on the other side. Been really successful entrepreneur. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And we have his son, too. Oh, yeah. Mason Stevens. You may have heard of him. He's quite a celebrity around these parts. You haven't? Look him up. <laughs> yeah. He's on his Facebook page. Go and, and sub- like it and uh, follow him. But... Uh, <laughs> Start with with just where did were you born in Texas? I know you live outside of Dallas now, but were you born there? Yeah, I was actually born in East Texas. Uh, well, born in born in Dallas, but we lived actually in Sigaville, Texas, for three years, and then we actually moved to Wills Point, Texas, and that's where I went to school and actually graduated from. Oh, so wow. it's about a hour and fifteen minutes east of Dallas, Texas. Yeah, you played sports. Yeah, I played sports my whole life, yeah. ever since kindergarten. Yeah. When did, uh, I know, I and mean, I'm going to kind of skip through up to the point, like, when when you first got married, mm-hmm. how, how you went to college too, correct? Yes, sir. And after college, like, when, when did you meet your wife and first got married, your first wife? Yeah, absolutely. So, man, college was a journey. Which, uh, which college did you go to? Uh, Higher Payne University. It's in Brownwood, Texas. And then I transferred out uh, to East, Tex- East Texas Baptist in Marshall, uh, my senior year, um, over a girl, didn't work out, of course. <laughs> Seems like those stories never work yep. out. Then I met, actually, Mason's mom uh, a few months later, and uh, she got me a job at a gym as a personal trainer and a general manager. So I was doing that, and then uh, she got pregnant with, um, actually, his oldest sister, and I decided to take an entrepreneurial route, and uh, that was the most stressful Biggest <laughs> obstacles I've ever had yeah. to overcome in my entire life, just starting from scratch. And we made it work and started making some okay money. But also there was times where our backs were against the wall and we kind of lost a lot of things and then times got tough. And then there were some challenges with uh, his, actually his mom. She started going through postpartum depression, anxiety, suicide attempts, attempts and everything. And she actually checked in to the hospital for a couple of months uh, when I was raising his, his uh, sister. She came back uh, from that Man, she was like my best friend, loved the outdoors. She was completely changed. Just everything was normal. Got pregnant with actually baby Cajun Mason. Um, and we had him. And then a couple months later, she left us. I became a single dad, full custody of my oldest two kids. And uh, She just took off? Yeah, she just took off. So is that, do you think she had postpartum depression again? Yeah, she What did. Do you know what causes that? Because I have no idea. I don't, man. I'm still trying to – it's just, as a guy, I really just don't understand how you can neglect your kids or want to go out. And there was times where she wanted to go out with me to the bar and have drinks and things like that. And I'm like, no, I need to focus on my career. I need to focus on the kids. I need, I, need to, I need to prioritize them to make sure I, you know, set them up to be successful in life too as well. And then – and I just didn't understand why she wanted to neglect our kids. She never wanted to do anything with them, but she always wanted to do things with me. It was really weird. Mm. Is that you think that's common or not? I mean, not common, but do you think that happens frequently? Uh, I'm starting to see a lot more. Yeah. Um, and and, and it, I really didn't understand how you can neglect something so precious. You know what I mean? And 
I love my kids. I'll do anything for them. I'll I wonder if it's like psychological, like, you know, cause I'm thinking, you know, she's the woman obviously has the kid in her inside of her nine months and she's taking care of her naturally. Um, and I'm wondering if like, there's something to that to where they finally, you know, give birth and they're like, Ugh, all right. But then it's sort of like a, um, let down or, you know, I don't know, some psychological thing. And I've seen more of it when people have C-sections, not uh, vaginal births. So mm-hmm. when I've seen a lot of the postpartum, but the studies that I've looked at, it's mostly people that go through the process of developing the baby and everything else. And then when they have time to come have the baby, it's just, it doesn't fully hundred percent go through what it's supposed to. And then you have a C-section. It's mostly people with C-sections from what I understand. I don't know how accurate that is, uh, but that's what I've heard. Okay. Wow. It's crazy. That's interesting. So yep. you're you're there with two kids, and she just up and leaves. Like, yep. how that how that shake down? Yeah, did how did that walk? take place? Oh man, um, yeah, just one day, um, she literally like, I can't do this no more, and just left. Uh, it was really crazy. Um, there was times that she tried to take her life uh, at our house. There was, man, it's tough. It was, it was some really tough things. And I'm like, you can't do this. We got to fight through this. And like, I'm very old school. I don't believe in divorces. I don't believe in anything like that. So it was very hard for me to cope with. Like, what are my parents going to think of me? What is my peers going to think of me? You know what I mean? Like, because divorce is at an all time high now because of social media and all the temptation and everything nowadays. And our society just gives up when things get tough. They don't try to fight through it. Was she a person of faith? Uh, she, she was, then got out. And then we, I got her back in when we started dating. Mm-hmm. Got together, yes. Okay. So now I don't know how how active she is now, but yeah, I'm just wondering. Yeah, like as she's going through that hard time, you know, and obviously when people go through hard times like that and they can't sort of control it, that the only place to turn is God, right? And Absolutely. be like, hey, help me, help me get through this, or help us get through this. Um, and usually, you know, what I've seen is, you know, you have faith and you pray through it, and um, you know, He comes through. That's why I was just sort of wondering. Yeah, and she's more active now in their lives, uh, but it's mostly their grandma, and then she'll come over and actually see them. But they most of the time want to go to their grandma's all the time. Yeah. So, and and as a as a as a as a individual, if, if this happened to my daughter and my grandchildren, I would want to see my grandchildren. So I reached out and say, "Hey, if you ever want to see your grandchildren, just let me know, and I'll we'll make it happen." Yeah. So, Wait, when when you came, was it like literally just one day you came home and she said? I can't do this. I'm out. Uh, Packed her stuff. She's she's hinted to that a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, so I saw it kind of coming, but we, I was fighting for it. I was hanging on. Oh, yeah, I was trying to keep everything intact, trying to keep our family together. Uh, I had a feeling it was going to eventually going to happen, though. So that next like months, next year during that time, where how how was that? Uh, it was tough. That's actually when I retired my mom. So um, my home security business, I had a door to door sales company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was brutal. It was tough. <laughs> Just imagine uh, knocking on somebody's door and door slammed in your face, guns pulled on you. I mean, it's crazy stuff. I had about probably 28 employees, uh, door knockers with me, made really good money. But during that transition time, things were going down because I wasn't uh, at the office as much. And so I asked my mom, I was like, hey, you're, you're a teacher aide. Uh, teacher aid salaries are not that high. She was making like $1,700 a month, $2,000 a month. I said, what if I just pay you $2,000 flat? Would you come and just spend the day at the house, watch the kids? Because with, with two kids at the time, it was going to cost me about that anyways. 
uh, per per week, and I, and she can actually stay at my house during the week, and then go home on the weekends. So I would have her at my house during the week, and I would just work extra hours. And I was like, hey, I just got to get lasered focus right now. And at the time, he was only one years old, and his daughter was three. I was like, man, they're so little; they're not really going to remember this. So I just need to go to I just need to go to work. And so that's when I started getting into the e commerce space and dibbling in real estate and a little bit of everything, and just trying to provide for them. Oh, so it was wow. tough though. There oh, was, I can't th- imagine. Yeah, there was, there was some nights I cried to sleep, and, and it, for that period of like one year, I didn't even get to see them the other day. I would kiss them before they even wake up, and then I'll be kissing them when they're getting in bed. And there's times I couldn't even sleep at night. I was just like, "What am I doing? Am I, hopefully, I'm on the right path. Hopefully, God's leading me down the right path." Uh, and it's worked out. It really has. I don't regret anything that I've chosen to do in the past. There's things I would have changed a little differently, of course, uh, but it's all worked out. Yeah. I. How difficult was it, like, playing mom and dad roles? Oh, man, that was tough, man. Um, <laughs> brushing hair, picking out clothes. I think my oldest daughter looked like a boy half the time. <laughs> <laughs> that was tough. That was tough. And it, it was helpful having my mom there. She helped me out a lot. Uh, I have to give a, a lot of my success that I've been able to have in life, I have to dedicate to my parents. They've, they've, they've been able to help me. Oh. They've never been the entrepreneur-type mindset. They've always been the blue-collar working Yeah, one. And, and there's nothing wrong with that or anything like that. And they're, they're hard-working individuals, and I appreciate that. It's just they've always done things the tough way, the hard way. And I'm like, there's always a better way. You just got to get creative. Like, you show me any successful company, I'll go in there and I'll show you a leader. You know what I mean? More money means more problems. More make you, you gotta be you gotta become a problem solver. And if you're not a problem solver, you're not gonna be able to achieve bigger results. And because of them, I, I've been able to figure out solutions a lot more simpler and quicker just because I didn't have to have the stress of just constantly just making sure they're under my wing because she was being the babysitter and helping me out. So it's Oh like, yeah. I mean that mom role is definitely yeah. It's a full-time job, and it's probably one of the most important jobs. And it's awesome that your your mom stepped in. She helped out a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. Helped out a lot. It's been fun, though. Hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, nods in approval. Nods yes, approval. it has. So, yeah, it's it's, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, but I think this was maybe become who I am today. They say the man that loves the walk gets a lot farther than the man that loves the destination. I think the, the walk and the process has made me become who I'm truly am today. Mm-hmm. Instead of just giving to me on a silver platter, I had to work for it. Yeah. So. I think of your phrase too, this pain will serve me well someday. Yep. Oh yeah. That's my favorite quote. Yeah. That's good. yeah. Anytime you go through hardships and you struggle through them, you'll get benefits on the back end. For Absolutely. Sure. Well, you appreciate it a lot more too as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to, through that, I mean, like, you're raising two kids, right? A three-year-old and a one-year-old. Mom leaves, and you're you're hustling. You're making ways, right? Like, you're figuring out, okay, this seems impossible, feels impossible, but I'm not going to go off my feelings. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way. I'm going to get my mom in here. I'm going to pay her what she was making anyway. So it's not – you're not taking away from anyone else. You're, in fact, you're, you're replacing it with something she probably, you know – loved and you're providing that for your family i mean it was like kind of win-win problem solving i mean you're right with entrepreneurship it is problem solving all around i think sometimes though with entrepreneurs you uh, like i've realized more and more a lot of people don't like some people have it and then some people they don't they they want to they just want a nine to five they just want a you know quote-unquote security of um just a full-time job, and here's my role. I get in, I do it, I go to work, I come home. And they just that that's just how they're built. 
And it's like, okay, great, right? But, like, for guys like me, for guys like you, that's death for me, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 like, no, let me have, I would rather take on that extra responsibility and figure it out and pave those ways. And you have to, I mean, it's constant problem solving. Absolutely. Well, the biggest thing is that my kids deserve to see me to win, you know, and I don't, I want them to have the resources that I never had. So they can never make the excuse that, hey, it was tough. I had, you know, I, I didn't, I, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to go back to college because my parents couldn't afford it. I had to go get two jobs. I was training football on the side too as well. And I was just like, dude, this is tough. And so now I was like, I don't want my kids to ever have to go through what I went through. Like yeah. for instance, he has a 2,800 square foot gym at our house. He gets to train every day, work out every day. We go on crazy vacations. I never, I never traveled out of the state of Texas until my first college football game. Yeah. Cause we couldn't afford it. And I, and I, and I appreciate my parents. They gave me everything I need, but I noticed little things as I got older, they would have the same pair of shoes for a year. Same shoes every single day. Same clothes. They'll alternate clothes. Yeah, frugal with their money. Exactly. But they made sure we had everything yeah. we had. But we, we lived in a small 1,200-square-foot house, you know, just free lunch program, very humble beginnings. And I, I saw a lot of my friends that I would wear their clothes. I would wear their stuff because they had designer stuff. They had nice things. And I would we get to pick out two pair of clothes, two jeans, and two shirts for every school year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And we'd rotate it. Oh. It was tough, man. Get roasted on by other kids. Sometimes yeah. we did. Sometimes we did. It's so crazy. Starting entrepreneurship, I even got roasted and made fun of. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what really kind of more set the flame and got me motivated more than ever. It's just like, you know what? Like, I don't need to necessarily prove the haters wrong. I need to prove the people that believe me right. You know what I mean? Go to bat for them. What What were, like, when you started doing entrepreneur, what, I mean, what were people saying to, that were hating on you or just, roasting you for it? Well, in the, in the e-commerce space, like in my home security, we did a lot of like, that's when social media started to boom back in the early, like 2012, 2013, where social media in 2004 was for Facebook was just for uh, college students. And then 2005 is when it rolled out to the public, but they didn't have lives and have it when they early 2012, 11, that's when I started doing the lives and everything else. While I was doing lives with, with trainings and things like that, people started uh, mocking, mimicking, almost like a semi podcast, but it wasn't a podcast. I was just going live every day. Like with telescope. I don't know if you remember telescope <laughs> back in the yeah. day. So I did telescope. I did the Facebook lives and things like that. Instagram wasn't there. Periscope. Periscope, that's Periscope. What, Periscope, yeah. not telescope. Periscope, that's what yeah. it was. Periscope, yeah. And so you could just get on people's lives, and it was really cool. But people would screenshot, make memes out of it, and just all kinds of stuff back in my hometown. And now uh, I've had people message me and apologize and mm. say, hey, I was immature. I was childish. I'm sorry. Yeah. You actually motivated me because you overcame the obstacles even when we made fun of you. And it was really crazy because in 2014, is really I was making like twenty to $30,000 a month. But in 2014 is really when I had my big bang. And I got up to about a little over $800,000 a month. And I didn't have the right mentorship, though, in my life to really direct me down the right path. So I did a lot of stupid things. I bought, like, nine Lamborghinis, seven Ferraris, some Rolls Royce, a Bentleys. I started – we were at the front row seats at the Cowboys game, front row seats at the Mavericks games, I mean, on the floor. And people were like, how can you spend $800,000 a month? Oh, we found ways. and it was the most idiotic thing ever and luckily i met my wife and she's like hey don't you think we should stop buying depreciating assets and start buying appreciating assets because we really don't need to have all this money and let's start investing it the right ways and since then moving forward we've been in a way better spot yeah so 
Yeah, we've had some NFL players that, like, talked about, you know, they're young, they get all this money in, but they don't manage it well. Don't manage it well. And then next thing you know, they're broke, man, and, and they don't have that, you know, you only have so long of that period of really earning potential, you know, and sure. you want to be living below your means. You want to be – a lot of people use the 50-30-20 rule, yep. you know. You, you live on 50%, you save 30%, you invest 20 and we, we actually go off the 30, 30, uh, 33, 33, 33 rule. So if I make $3, I invest $1, I live off $1, and I save $1. If yeah. I make $3,000, I invest $1,000, I live off $1,000, I save $1,000. So I do the, the 33% yeah. rule. But yeah, it's kind of similar to that. Yeah. And, and when you do that, when you discipline yourself like that, then you're able to later on, you don't have to work. And then now your money's making you money. All You have sure. multiple investments that are coming in and you're not hustling. And also you're not, I think one of the biggest things, you're not worrying about day to day. You're not worrying about the next, like we've talked about it even the last couple of days. I'm not worried about, you go to dinner, you're not worried about dinner. You're not worried about what, all the all the small things because you live so below your means. True. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I get made fun of all the time because I drive a F-150 STX pickup truck, little $28,000 truck. Had it for six years now. Yep. People are like, what are you driving? Yeah. Like, I don't need a $100,000 yeah. pickup truck. Yeah. No, it's, it's stupid in my opinion. I'd rather travel, see the world, spend it on my kids. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's really truly about. Build memories with them. Yeah. So. Do you feel like during that time, the 2014, when you when you got up to 800 a month, that you you like got that out of your system, so to speak? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I and I rode a wave of momentum with social media. So with uh, with everything that was happening, I think it was it was meant to happen because it made me understand like don't do that again. Like just some of the things that was happening in my life was just like I needed to get it out of my system, I guess. And now I'm like, okay, now I'm more more careful with where I spend my money at, what I invest in, things like that. I still try to, I take risk a little bit, you know, occasionally. Yeah. But also, you know, we're very conservative too as well. Uh Yeah. I mean, there's a difference between taking risks and then just blowing your money to have fun. But it sounds like, yeah, you got that out of your system. And so what, like, what was the big, uh, so when you started making all that money, I mean, what, what was it that you were doing to make that much money? Yeah. So I was selling nutritional products at the time. So, I got really excited about this product because it stops against angiogenesis, cancer cells growing in the body. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather just died of colon cancer. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So, um, and, that, and it's been, that's been 10 years now, 10, 11 years now, my grandfather, when he passed away, but he never missed a, he never missed a, a sporting event. He was there at my surgeries. I mean, he was there even when I didn't know he was going to be there. He was always there. It was crazy. And um, it was, it was really wild because like when he passed away, it happened so suddenly. He was 88 years old. Uh, got colon cancer like three weeks later he passed away and so I saw this Facebook post of this guy talking about cancer cells and this this blueberry juice and it, it's just like you know what you know like let's see what this is about so I messaged, messaged him I started talking to him and he was talking about how he sells it online and affiliate marketing and I did over 100 million in sales my first year doing it dang and it was crazy because, of course, the profit margins were very small, but I was just so passionate about it. And I was like, man, I'm just going to run with this. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just something that brought passion to, to, my, to me, and I was just like, let's go. 
Mm. And so I just went on, I was doing lives every day. I was doing Facebooks, messaging people, talking to people, just getting the brand out there. And it just took off, man. And I ended up doing over 500 million of sales in three years with that company. Um, and then there were some current things, situations that happened inside of the company where it didn't align with my faith, what they were doing. They were saying one thing, but they're doing something else behind the scenes. Yeah. And um, we decided to walk away from that income. We walked away from that company. You can't relate to that, can you? No, not one bit. <laughs> what, what were some of the things that uh, they were doing? Like, can you want to get in? Can you get into that? Yeah, or? I can get in a little bit. I got to be very careful with some of the things I say. Yeah. But, but literally, um, they just, the way they treated us, they felt like they were better than us um, as the owners. So I was an uh, independent contractor to their company. So I use their services, their shipping, their products and everything. So I'm like a third party where I'm actually doing all the marketing, almost like affiliate marketing style, but paid a little bit better. Yeah. And so what I did was just share it and do it. So they deal with the overhead, the inventory, the payroll issues, the headaches, the logistics, the customer service. They did everything. I do what I did best, and that's just market the product as an influencer. And so as an influencer is doing that, they looked at us like, oh, you're just a dumb salesperson. Oh, you're just an idiotic salesperson. You, you don't really know how to run business. You know, things, to, things like that, just downgrading us, making us feel belittled and just like we weren't worth anything. And then one day he came to me, he says, I'm paying you too much money off the commissions. I'm changing the compensation plan. Mm. And my income dropped from $800,000 a month to $300,000 a month. Dang, that's a big cut. Yeah. It, it was pretty devastating. And that's when I took a step back. And it was still a significant amount of money. But I was just like, how can I go pr push a product or sell a product? I'm very passionate about, but a guy that acts like that. And um, he thought he had a little halo above his head, man. He thought nobody could touch him. He thought he was God's gift of everything. And um, a tragic events happened, and I wish this up on nobody, and I wish it never would have happened, to be honest with you. But three years ago, him and his son-in-laws and his sons and his brother and his dad took a little um, jet to a hunting trip, uh, actually in, I think it was in Wyoming, and they didn't have clearance to fly back home. Um, to defrost the the wings and they still took off anyways and crashed and Ugh. only two survivors it was two young kids that survived so oh, killed fine. his brother passed away his dad passed away um all his son-in-laws his sons all passed away but two of the grandchildren didn't pass away hmm. it was very devastating man so it was really crazy and this but this happened after i've already left yeah and everything else but it was just like very sad you know because i actually been in that same airplane i've been around their family so it was really well, yeah, that's tragic. Yeah. I mean, what, makes, what makes the difference, though, between, like, so, f you know, you're not, you weren't the only one selling that product. Yeah. What makes the difference between someone that, I mean, hits those levels of income versus someone else? Yeah, that, that's a really great question. It's more, like one of the main things. Well, a lot of people, like, well, when it comes to sales, like, I'm not good at sales. I, I feel like sharing something is a little bit different than selling because nobody wants to be sold nowadays on anything. Mm -hmm. But, like, a lot of people buy if it's helping somebody. So, for instance, um, I had a guy knock on my door two summers ago on a Sunday evening, and that's our day off. That's our family day. We go to church. We spend time with our family. Yeah. And he was a, a food truck guy that was selling meat, shrimp, chicken, all this stuff. And he was knocking, and he knocked on the door, and my wife went to the door. And he was talking for about 10 minutes, giving his little spill. And I said, hey, bro, it's Sunday. What are you doing on my door? You've been talking for 10 minutes. One or two things need to happen. You need to shut the door and go to the next neighbor, or you need to literally tell my wife why you're truly knocking on my door on a Sunday evening, why you're interrupting my family time. And he started crying. 
And he said, my mom just lost her job. And I'm doing this to pick up to make extra cash to give help her out. And I was like, okay, now come in. Now we'll buy something. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't need your service. I don't need your meat. I don't need your, ch- I can go, I can, but I, I always will try to, I always try to love to help people yeah. every time I possibly can. But if I feel like I'm getting sold, I won't buy. So the difference I feel like is not only tell them the reason why you're doing whatever you're doing. So my thing was at the time I was still a single dad. Like, Hey, I picked up this side thing to make some extra cash. It's, it's helps with nutrition, helps you live a healthier life. I'm not trying to change your lifestyle, but I'm trying to help you live a healthier lifestyle. I was going to see if you can support my cause as a single dad and help me provide for my family. Cause at the time I was in a, in a rough spot and this is how I'm putting food on the table. And people were like, dude, I want to try it out. And they got on the product and they loved it and they kept mm-hmm. taking it. Yeah. Yeah. Too. I mean, but you sold it through authenticity. Exactly. That's the thing. You weren't giving them a spiel or whatever, whatever's on the script. It's like, exactly. Hey, this is why I'm doing this. And you tug at their heartstrings a little bit and they're like, okay, yeah. this person's a real well, dude. Well, think about it. Have you bought Girl Scout cookies before? Oh, yeah. Have you bought Girl Scout cookies before? Never. I hate. Really? No, just kidding. No. Of course saying, I have. Yeah. <laughs> Samoas? Every, yeah. Everybody buys Girl Scout cookies. My wife, when she sees a Girl Scout cookie little stand, she beeslines it too and buys it. Are they more expensive? Yes. Are they as good as the cookies in the store? Just maybe. Sometimes. Maybe not all the time. You know? Yeah. But the thing is, why do we buy? Because we feel obligated to go help out the cause. Exactly. And it teaches those young women, you know, work ethic and exactly. everything else like that. So, yeah, you want to support that. Absolutely. But more importantly, well, I have a lot of people like, how do you have the determination to keep going? Well, how do you go work out every day? It's not that you want to. You're disciplined. Mm-hmm. You still stay disciplined. Even when yeah. the mood has already left, you stay committed to your goals and whatever. Because that's a lot of times people write goals and New Year's resolutions every year, but they don't stick out through the grid and keep going. Oh. And so that, that was my biggest thing with my kids and everything else is like, well, I'm burnt out or I can't do it. No, you got to make time. But the thing is, your why is never big enough if you're already quitting. And I'm glad I'm not your kids because that means you're quitting on me because they don't even deserve to win. But like, I wanted to change the family tree and I love mm-hmm. my mom and dad. I'm so grateful for them. They live on my ranch now. I retired them. They're on payroll and everything else, just like your, your mom is. Uh, I have four generations that live on my ranch. I take care of my grandma too as well. But I was like, I want to change the family tree. And whatever that sacrifice I have to make, my kids, I don't want them to have to stress about money. I don't want my grandchildren to stress about money. And I'm going to break the trend. Even though I have to make a little bit of sacrifice, maybe I'm not living life to the fullest where I can travel the world. I'm going to set my kids up so they can live generation. They don't have to stress about anything I've ever had to stress about. And I was like, I'm going to be the one that makes a sacrifice. Mm. So I love that. Hey, you, awesome. you mentioned something I think is key is grit and discipline, like the fall through. the yep. continue. It's the day-to-day. Right. What makes the difference between is, hey, do they, in fact, when anyone that I hire, I'll look at and I'll be like, the guy that has grit, I'll hire him tenfold before I hire someone with, hey, I got an MBA from this. And it's like, hey, they may not even know specific, like no specifics with the job, but that can be learned. Absolutely. You know, but if they got grit, man, that's tough to be learned. You got to add in resilience as well. Right. It's resilience is a huge factor to where, you know, you had. I'm sure you had plenty of uh, examples of like when stuff wasn't work, like working out where people were like, no, get off my doorstep yep. or whatever. And it's be able to bounce back from that and not taking that as a personal insult and being like, oh, woe is me. It's I think that's huge. Yeah, 100%. absolutely. And learning from other people like I've learned more outside of business school than I actually like 
with being on entre- with entrepreneurs, people like yourselves, and just learning some of y'all's testimonies and some of the things you had obstacles you had to go through. I've learned more. That's been more of a lesson plan and it teaching moments for me than anything else. Mm-hmm. Just being around people like like minded individuals because I really never could understood when I was learning business in college. It's like I'm learning from a professor that makes forty fifty thousand dollars a year drives a basic little vehicle and has never owned a business in his entire life. And he's teaching me how to run a business and just never like just align. And so after school, it was great techniques and some of the strategies, but when I got out of school and be around business minded individuals that own companies, man, I learned so much more. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any job that I had previously, right. Uh, I, I worked for a software company at one point and uh, I was a data software, you know, tech basically. I was like scrubbing data. And I'm, uh, you know, it's the nerdiest job ever. And so I'm sitting there, but like the whole time, the real lesson that I was getting there is I'm watching the CEO, how he runs a software company. I'm watching how he manages, how he does standups, right? And they do how they do their meetings, how he sets goals and deadlines for the team, how he motivates them, how he just views things, you know, and he was a great, a great CEO. And I learned so much from him in that. It's like, yeah, I, I scrubbed data plenty, but like that—that that wasn't why I was there. I was always looking at upper management, up really the CEO, and seeing how they ran a company. And, and I learned. I, it's funny. I had my bachelor's in computer science and in um, business, and then I got my master's in counseling. And out of the two, I used the counseling degree more in running a business than I did anything with computer engineering. Like I literally, with the counseling degree, I learned how to listen. I learned about people, right? And it's really, you know, business is about people, right? And so I think I think a lot is, a lot is that grit. I love how you said resilience. And just continually, like, you know, that way after when it gets, it's not new and exciting. You you've probably get a lot of people that pitch you stuff. I get it. Yep. Every day, people pitch me, oh, I got this new app idea or blah, blah, And you're just like 10 seconds in, usually you're like, eh. <laughs> you know. But, like, they're, they want to talk about it. They don't want to talk through it So true. in a sense. Or well, they don't want to do execute. It. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm new to the entrepreneur world, and that's, you know, that's what I've seen a lot of, and I'm, I'm no way do I even consider myself an entrepreneur yet. I'm, I'm still like working on it. Cause I, I have the same mindset as your parents did. I'm, I'm blue collar, like give me a job to do, I'll crush it. And then give me the next thing. Right. But now that I'm out, I'm like, okay, I'm trying this entrepreneur thing. But you know, the, the thing that I brought into is when I, you know, working with other people, they have all these big plans and like oh let's do this and this and it's like okay and you start discussing with them like and but then there's no follow-through there's no execution and that's just a big waste of your time it's like dude you just wasted what i I don't care if it's 10 minutes it's you know i could have been doing something else um but i think as you progress through your entrepreneurship like you learn how to spot those people and you're like all right nope like dave like you said you know yeah yeah i try to pre-qualify a lot of people um, a lot of times when I get pitched stuff, I actually say, Hey, send me everything in detail. Then I send it over to my attorney. And if he thinks it's a good idea for me to look into it, then I look into it Yeah, because not, I'll be on calls and zoom meetings, checking out things because like I always try to tell people, your mind is like a parachute. It only works if it's open. And the most expensive thing you can own is a closed mind and closed mind means closed pockets. You'll be a slave to whatever you're, you're doing in life. 
So I was like, I always want multiple streams of income coming in, but it's, I've, I've lost so much money in investing. So I'm just like, if I can't control it or I can't touch it, I don't even want to invest in it anymore. It's I'm to that point in my life. And I've tried to hit some home runs and stuff like that. And we've done well in some areas, but a lot of times I've been burned dude, because there is some slick talkers out there. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And they, they can make you convinced like this is the next biggest thing. And you dump a lot of money into it, man. We had a, we had a guy um, that was doing mineral rights in Oklahoma and he, he talked about how he was going public with it. I mean, he was the slickest talker I've ever met in my entire life. And um, I'm going to say his first name, but not his last name. His, his name was Mike. And um, literally, I invested probably close to half a million into it. And um, there was a couple of friends that actually invested into it too as well. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, come come to, to it, he ended up f- frauding everybody. And then next time I see him was on TMZ and he was doing PPP loans fraud. And it was with, um, it was out of McKinney, Texas area. And um, back of our old roots. And um, it was the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger guy. The first Red Ranger was involved in it too as well. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it was mind blowing. But their, their names were all on TMZ. It was like national news. And I'm just like, this scam artist, dude. And he was so good at making us believe we even threw a party we had these little coins had the big celebration why did this go public and never did it was completely fraudulent so what i mean what is the outcome of that then if you invest that much into it and then you find out this guy's a fake i mean are you able to like Um, get the money back get anything back because he had no assets he had he had nothing Um, it's tough yeah on paper he was dead broke he was very smart with what he did with this money and uh with the money and I'm, I'm sure he probably snuggled it offshore somewhere, probably, yeah. or give or take, or in crypto or whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, it's tough on some of those because, I mean, you can you could take a shot at it, right? Spend a hundred grand in attorney fees or a couple. Yeah, hundred. I mean, I know that. Yeah, you. But I, mean, I might just spend it, just as much. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sounds it's like, tough on some of those, especially when it's financial, like investing type deals. Yes. I mean, they'll wash it. They'll. Yeah. And, and it's hard to prove it. It's and, and, unless it's huge amounts, and let, or you're a mighty Morphin Power Ranger, like you know they're probably not gonna so true do much. Yeah, especially when you're you're like there's for instance like we our last investment where it kind of bellied up, but we're 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 in good faith and good hopes where you have to wire money overseas to a Pam account with forex and stuff like that and. We've looked. We've just looked at multiple ways to let our money go work for us instead of just sitting in the bank. Yeah, you know. And there's been times where we've been taken advantage of, and money just disappears, and we really can't do much about it. And there's times also that you've killed it. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And I can attest to it yep. with with you guys and us. And the, I think I think though I don't regret though all the investment stuff that we've done over the years. I don't regret it though, because they're lessons. They're really like you don't learn some of those unless it hurts. Exactly. You know. And I think the thing I'd have a problem with though is like this dude just getting off. Mike just getting off and be like, dude, you're about to receive some knuckle sandwiches, bro. You know, like there's been some nights like that. Yeah. Where I'm just like, who can I call? <laughs> right. You'll make my money disappear. I'll make you disappear. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's tough, and and I think the only reason what's held me back from doing something silly like that before is because of my kids. Yeah, I think if I didn't have kids, I probably would probably not be here right now. I'd probably yeah. be locked up somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I was t- and there's that consequence as well, which is keeps you from doing that exactly. stuff. Exactly, exactly. 
but yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a lesson learned. You know, well, and you mean? don't want to you don't want to not have an investment mind. You don't want to. You always need to be taking calculated smart risk. Exactly. That's the thing I think that a lot of people they they'll hit a certain level and they're like, okay, whew, like we can just chill. Just it's like, well, like if 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 you're not always looking, you're not going to grow. And so you do need to be looking at, hey, what's the next calculated risk? You, risk is good. Yep. You know, too much on smart, like those things, depending on the amount you put in, right? There's been one I did, a, I told you about this one. I did this during that little short span of the crazy uh, meme coin cryptos. Found this one one morning, found this one. I was like, you know what? I think this one just hit Uniswap like the day before, and I'm like, it fits this little meme mini uh, spree that we're going through. I put 18 grand on it. Next morning, I woke up, and it's 185. I'm like, cash out. Cash <laughs> and out. got out. Absolutely. You know, and so there's there's times that there's ones like that, but they're rare. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I always tell people, whenever you're investing, only invest what you're willing to lose. Yeah. And if, and if it's not going to hinder you or hurt you in any way, then okay, that's enough. But if it's something you're going to stress about, it's yeah. too much, don't invest it. Yeah. yeah. It's a safe route to always go. Yeah. And one thing with friends, it's always like, I, I almost never want to give advice to a lot of friends because you're just like, I don't want them. Well, you don't want that burden if something doesn't work out. And then they're exactly. looking at you like, dude, you're the one who yeah. told me to do this. Yeah. Well, there's been, there's been times that we've done deals together and um, I've simply just like, hey, this is a high risk. Be careful. Like, this is not a guarantee. Right? Yeah. And I try to emphasize that on all them really, like, because a lot of people always ask me, what are you investing? What are you putting your money in? Things like that. And there's times where I take risky investments that I probably shouldn't be investing in, to be honest with you. Uh, but there's times I go more conservative too as well. But also I always like, well, man, if this really does what they say it's going to do, it could be a grand slam, you know? So I try to only do what I'm willing to lose in them. Here in the more conservative, I'll invest a little bit more. But on my high risk, I try to invest a little bit less. But sometimes yeah. when you get some of the returns you're looking at, it's kind of hard not to invest mm -hmm. more. Yeah. And there's okay. been some killer ones. There has. Some killer ones. Yeah. I think that I think that's a really good word. I, I, but I don't think it replaces, like, that resilience, the grit, the the continual, especially until you make that first break. I think there's, like, a point of – you know, when you're used to making, you know, when you can't even imagine making 12 grand a month and it's like, oh my God, and you hit that break, it's really, it's so much harder to get from, you know, two, three grand a month to 10 grand a month. Yep. That's tough. But to go from 10 to 20 grand a month is easier. It and is. And then 20 to 40, 40 to 60. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard getting there, but once you get there, it's easy to replicate it. That's like they say 95% of the people that win the lottery go broke because they, they were gifted that money. They didn't earn that money. Mm -hmm. For instance, like the NBA players, 80% of them go broke just because of the fact that they was built off of a talent, not a skill set that was brought into place. So they don't know how to replicate all that money. And a lot of times we do dumb things. So I always try to tell people, you split up all the money in the world equally to everybody, it will end up being in the same exact same hands. Mm. Every time you can take all my money away over right now. And I guarantee you in less than 12 months, I'll be a, a millionaire again, 100% because I, I've developed a skill set to know how to actually get, achieve the results nowadays and I can teach it. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's a good word. You think you, uh, passed on your entrepreneurial skills to, to your son here? I think so. I think he's being around me long enough. My kids, I think they will definitely implement some of my strategies and skill sets or hopefully. And, but if not, um, hopefully they're just, 
living life to the fullest and as long as oh, they're yeah. happy. The great thing about them, I've been very smart with them. Uh, of course, I've been putting uh, some family banking policies in for them, so they have million-dollar policies on them. So I think we calculated by the time he graduates, he'll be making a little over $3,000 a month. Uh, so he can really pursue whatever he wants to do. And I know that's not um, wealthy money or get rich money, but I think an extra $3,000 a month coming at the age of 18 Oh, that's a good, good start. Good start. Exactly. And then they can let it keep compounding and it's compounding around roughly five to 6% a year. And I'm still funneling it in every, every, every month for them. And so they can let it keep compounding. So eventually retire on it, or they can use it as a bank instead of having to pay interest on loans from the bank. They can Mm. lean against that and actually borrow from themselves. Yeah. So being very smart with their money, instead of paying 67% to the bank, they can actually just pay themselves back and let it keep compounding too as well. Yeah. What do you think about that, Mason? Big smile. Big smile. <laughs> you're going to have to talk if you're on here. Mason, yeah. he's the strong, silent type. Yeah, he's the quiet <laughs> one. Silent killer. I got you a water, too, if you want water. Yeah, that's awesome. But, I, yeah, but I, yeah, but I just wanted to make sure they were taken care of, man. One, one of the biggest things I think about a lot is, hey, you know, I think it, it, in one of the guys we had on was very helpful and helped me think about parenting. And one of the phrases he uses all the time is, you're not raising kids, you're raising adults. Exactly. And he's like, Dave, he's told me one time, Dave, take it like uh, any other business problem that you take. You look at, hey, where do I, what's the end result that I want? And then work it backwards. It's good. And I'm going, duh, like, why don't I not think about that with my kids? But it's like, at the end of the day, when I want them to, yes, I want them to know God first and foremost, right? Absolutely. What control do I have over it? Well, I can imitate it. They can see my life. That's the biggest thing, right? I can be have a good relationship with God and how I treat my wife. And exactly. But then also I want them to not necessarily make tons of money but know how to manage it well and not have to live with financial stress, yep. right, and not blow it. And I want them to be able to take care of themselves. And so how do I implement that now when they're, Three, five, seven, nine. Well, it's, you know, I'm starting with chores, right? I'm starting with responsibility, and then I'm starting with teaching them some financial things. Yep. You know, with Everly, I'm like, hey, okay, you've done your chores. Here's $2, right? And she's like, those are my two. And I'm like, well, one of them you're going to give back to me as the bank, and it's going to be saving. Smart. And she's like, no, I don't want to do that. Both of them are mine. <laughs> I'm like, no, you have to do this. Like, I want to start teaching you so you can watch it grow and feel that, hey, over the last month, like, that's grown into 30 bucks. Absolutely. And not only that, halving, when they want something, make them pay half for it. Mm. So they actually, because think about it, when they don't have no skin in the game, they just don't care. But if it's something tangible they bought themselves, they take care of it a lot more, too, as well. And we hinder our kids a lot. We tend to, to do things for them, like, instead of, Letting them tie their shoes, we'll tie their shoes. Instead of helping them get dressed, they need to get their self-dressed. There's a lot of things they can do. Chores-wise, he takes it, like Mason, he mows our yard. Um, He actually takes the trash out. He does chores around the house, does dishes and things like that. I'm like, they need to earn responsibility. They need to earn their keep. They're living in this house for free. Mm -hmm. They need to earn their keep. They need to learn responsibilities, too, as well. Uh That's life lessons, too, they need to do. Because this society nowadays, this generation is so lazy because they're used to getting everything handed to them on a silver platter. It's like... Well, everything's instantaneous. That, too, as well. It's, you know, it's everything is at the click of a button, right? Yeah, this is uh, the most evil thing we probably could ever invented. Yeah. I mean, we sleep closer to this than we do our spouse. Mm. We forget this at home. We turn around and go back and get it, you know? 
we can't live without it. And every time we hear it go off, what do we do? We have to look. Or that cool. feeling you get when you think you lost it. Like, yes. it, that tells you right there. Just, you're like, dude, this thing controls my life. It does. And then before you know it, you're, you're caught up in watching reels or social media for over an hour, and you just neglected your family that you could have been spending time with them. Yeah. So, yeah. It's crazy. Dude, it's awesome having you on. It, yeah. Mason, you want to share anything with us? Any wisdom, nuggets of wisdom? Yeah. Where, where can people follow you, Mason? What's your Instagram? What's your Instagram? Baby Cajun. Baby Cajun? <laughs> All right. You heard well, it right here, Give folks. Baby Cajun a follow if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> awesome he's ready this boy is a fisherman oh he yeah he loves to fish well you're in the right spot yep every hour he's asking us to go fishing mm-hmm. he's already been three times a day uh, like last yeah. 24 hours and he still wants to go again yeah he's aching how many fish you caught since you've been here four nice yeah caught four and once can catch many more yeah yeah what position do you play in sports Quarterback, wide receiver, and safety. Oh, man. Awesome. Tell them what other sports you play. Baseball, football, basketball. Track. Track, and. I don't think you have any other sports you're thinking. Just an athlete. Mm. Get the next Bo Jackson. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we actually was, um, we actually got to meet Bo Jackson one time, just in passing, so it was really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Thanks Appreciate it. That was yeah, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Mason, for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate you. Seriously, Absolutely. and uh, thanks for telling your story and just Absolutely. setting the example for others uh, to keep fighting through even when times are tough and to always remain to have or always remain have faith in God. So Absolutely. God first. Yeah. All right. Baby Cajun, we're out. Out. <laughs> <laughs> you got a short